What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com Non-rock-a-botus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yeah! What? What? <laughs> Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship here we go to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? How's it going? Yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. That, that is basy. Yes, sir. This is the gospel heard around the world. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where we live. Get past episodes, <laughs> TV show after show, on the couch. Apology Academy, which, by the way, check it out. If you are all access, not only did you get to see the... Uh, Apologetics Academy, we did with myself, Dr. James White. But you are going to get to see the newest Apology Academy coming very, very soon with Samson Claus. Yes, sir. John Samson, and it's on salvation, soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, the grace of God and salvation. Very excited about it. John's excited about it. We're excited about it. You need to get it at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where you guys join with us in ministry. You partner with us in ministry. You make all of this possible uh, by giving there. You partner with us. You get all the additional content, the training. Everything we're doing is right there at ApologiaRadio.com. And by the way, before I make the introductions today, uh, I'm the ninja. They call me uh, Jeff Durbin. But 
Wait, they my call mom, you're mom, the ninja and they call you Jeff Durbin? My mom's calls me the ninja. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, I want to say thank you guys, everybody uh, who participated in All Access, just because um, we, we've been for the last year trying to get our like our heads together and figure out how to make all this work. Uh, so we're now this year going to be pumping out lots of stuff for the uh, for the gospel, uh, the kingdom of God, and and the, we just put up uh, the plot, uh, which we did the first one with Ivy Conner- Connerly. Um, it's really amazing. If you haven't seen it, go to Apologia Studios on YouTube. Ivy Connerly's testimony of God saving him from a life of drugs, and uh, he's a drug dealer, and it's just it's really amazing. Then got a chance to do mine. Um, it really it's not just it's not just my story. It really is, if you watch it, the story of Apologia Church and how God made all this happen. And so it's up right now at Apologia Studios. The plots from the last videos that we uploaded. Um, more are coming soon. A lot more are coming. And uh, we're excited for you guys to see them. Uh, let me make the introductions. Right next to me is Joy the Girl back in the studio again. Hey, guys. It's a scary place in here without headphones. Everybody just yells. (laughs) I don't have any headphones today, and I'm sitting like a foot lower than everybody else, and I'm just scared. Hopefully hopefully you're cooking something down there. (laughs) The intro was like some sort of like Walter Martin... Like, type of God fear, and I don't even know. I like jumped in my seat. Yeah, I don't know why they're on the way, Joy. They're on the way. Oh, Joy's got some. I don't know why the intro is always about 200 decibels louder than anything else we play on here. I don't know why it is either. I saw our special guest was like pulling his headphones off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to burst everyone's eardrums. That's the bear over there. What up? Luke Pearson. I'm here. We also have a special guest today. With the uh, Not Public Radio segment, NPR, Randy. What's up, Randy? It's a beautiful day. Yes, it is. Steady, Randy. We also have G. G. Low, Greg Lohman, member of Apologia Church, who is right now working very hard to uh, get headphones for uh, the girl. This is <laughs> this under is my awesome. seat. Yes. And we also have in the back, on the ones and twos, we have Marcus King Ginger Pittman. Hey, can we talk about Apologia All Access for one second? You bet, sir. We have, we have uh, lots to do, so let's get it I on. I had a three-hour discussion last night okay. with Tim from our church, and we're redoing the entire Apologia website. T. Schweitz. So, yeah. And, and, and uh, so he needs help with, if anybody out there is a front-end developer with experience with uh, Java, HTML, CSS, uh, contact us on our, our Apology Radio Facebook page because we have a massive project and we need as much help as we can get. Is that so, some kind of coffee? Uh, Java? Yes. Java. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> so we need your so, help. You can participate. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, just contact us through the, our Facebook page at Apology Radio. Okay. And, and do that because, I mean, it's going to be awesome. We're, we're creating an entire media website that'll cover uh, everything and set us up for the future, all the new stuff that we're going to be doing this year, too. So be excited about that. I know there's been a lot of complaints about our website, but we just needed something that would work. And we got so many All Access members so quickly, we're like, holy cow, this is <laughs> quickly running out as an option. Mm. So it's a good thing. It's really good. So we're going to, it's going to be awesome. So excellent the new thing will be amazing. So if you can help us out, we really need help with that. Okay. All right, here we go. I mean, just before we introduce our, our very, very, very special guest, uh, whom I'm very excited about introducing you guys, I uh, want to talk for a moment about uh, current events with uh, the election process. This was one of the most cringe-worthy moments of my entire life. 
Uh, and when I showed my son this, he, he literally was in the car next to me just cringing going. He's going, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't the water slide video, is no, it? No, this isn't the water slide oh, video. It's worse than that? This is worse than oh, that, yeah. So um, Marco Rubio uh, was in the Republican presidential debate. I believe this was in New Hampshire. I, I think it was. It was like last week. And um, this just goes to show really how difficult these guys have it. I mean, they have to memorize all these talking points. There's really a lot you have to know to be in this election. You have to, I think you should know the history of our nation. I, I, I believe you should be submitted to the Lord, uh, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords to be a godly ruling leader. Uh, it's important to know how our law works, and you have to know the details about the other candidates and what they have done, haven't done. There's a lot to know, and so you got to give the guy a little bit of a break, but this was just such a cringeworthy moment. It was awful. Marco Rubio is asked a question, and after he's asked the question, he then uh, kind of switches into this, uh, you can tell, a sort of a memorized speech. Chris Christie comes in and challenges him you can tell he gets flustered and so he really doesn't know where to go so he just kicks into sort of this memorized speech once again repeats himself four times in a row it is so cringeworthy and i want you to hear it because uh that's fun as america did with barack obama in 2008 arguing that you are quote not ready to be president of the united states and senator santorum who we all know dropped out of the race just this week and endorsed you had a hard time when asked on national television listing your accomplishments as senator. Tonight, what are your accomplishments in the Senate that demonstrate you're ready to be president of the United States? Well, let me say, from protecting the people of Florida from imminent domain abuse, to bringing accountability to the VA, to the Girls Count Act, to sanctioning terrorist groups, I'm proud of my service in the United States Senate and before that in the Florida legislature. I will say, if politics becomes and the presidency becomes about electing the people who have been in Congress or in the Senate the longest, we should all rally around Joe Biden. He's been around a thousand years, he's passed hundreds of bills, and I don't think any of us believe Joe Biden should be president of the United States. And let's dispel once and for all with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Barack Obama is undertaking a systematic effort to change this country, to make America more like the rest of the world. That's why he passed Obamacare and the stimulus and Dodd-Frank and a deal with Iran. It is a systematic effort to change America. When I'm president of the United States, to re-embrace all the things that made America the greatest nation in the world, and we are going to leave our children what they deserve, the single greatest nation in the history of the world. Senator Rubio, thank you. All right, so, so right there, everybody's like, yeah, because, you know, it's the first time you heard it. So you're like, that's pretty dang good. I like it. This guy's got, he's got his head on straight. Okay, good job. Right on. Yeah, everyone, very excited. Keep in mind and remember that applause. It was like, yeah. Now, listen, it get, this is where it starts to go down the hill very quickly. I do want to ask Governor Christie. Governor Christie, you said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. When it comes to electing a first-term senator, you heard Senator Rubio make the case that he does have the experience. Your response? Sure. Um, first, let's remember something. Every morning when a United States senator wakes up, they think about what kind of speech can I give or what kind of bill can I drop. Every morning when I wake up, I think about what kind of problem do I need to solve for the people who actually elected me. It's a different experience. It's a much different experience. And the fact is, Marco, you shouldn't compare yourself to Joe Biden. And you shouldn't say that that's what we're doing. Here's exactly what we're doing. You have not been involved in a consequential decision where you had to be held accountable. You just simply haven't. And the fact is... The fact is, when you talk about Hezbollah Sanctions Act that you list as one of your accomplishments and just did, you weren't even there to vote for it. That's not leadership, that's truancy. Um, the fact is that what we need to do, 
What we need to have in this country is not to make the same mistake we made eight years ago. The fact is, it does matter when you have to make decisions to be held accountable for them. It does matter when the challenges don't come on a list of a piece of paper of what to vote yes or no every day. But when the problems come in from the people that you serve, I like Marco Rubio. And he's a smart person and a good guy. But he simply does not have the experience to be president of the United States and make these decisions. We've watched it happen, everybody. For the last seven years, the people of New Hampshire are smart. Do not make the same mistake again. Ouch. So that was pretty painful. And if you can see Rubio's face, you can tell he's really kind of struggling here now. So now he's got to respond to all of that. That's the first time I heard Chris Christie say something I agreed with. Yeah, yeah. So so now he's got to respond to some pretty tough talk from Christie, right? So here we go. Thank you. I think the experience is not just what you did, but how it worked out. Under Chris Christie's governorship of New Jersey, they've been downgraded nine times in their credit rating. This problem. We don't need to add to it by electing someone who has experience at running up and, and destroying the credit rating of his state. But I would add this. Let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is trying to change this country. He wants America to become more like the rest of the world. We don't want to be like the rest of the world. We want to be the United States of America. And when I'm elected president, this will become, once again, the single greatest nation in the history of the world, not the disaster Barack Obama has imposed upon us. Senator Rubio, thank you. I do want to bring you... Silence. (laughs) <laughs> Governor Bush on this, Hold because on you've second. made this, Excuse me. if you'd like to respond to the economic... I think he directly right. mentioned me and my record Governor in there, Christie. so I think I get a chance to respond. You see, everybody, I want the people at home to think about this. That's what Washington, D.C. does. The drive-by shot at the beginning with incorrect and incomplete information, and then the memorized 25-second speech that is exactly what his advisors gave him. See, see Marco... Marco, the thing is this, when you're president of the United States, when you're governor of a state, the the memorized 30-second speech where you talk about how great America is at the end of it doesn't solve one problem for one person. They expect you to plow the snow. They expect you to get the schools open. And when the worst natural disaster in your state's history hits you, they expect you to rebuild their state, which is what I've done. None of that stuff happens on the floor of the United States Senate. It's a fine job. I'm glad you ran for it. But it does not prepare you for president of the United States. Chris, Chris, your state got hit by a massive snowstorm two weeks ago. You didn't even want to go back. They had to shame you into going back. And then you stayed there for 36 hours, and then he left and came back to campaign. Those are the facts. Here's the bottom line. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is. Memorized 25-second speech. That's the reason why this campaign is so important. Because I think this notion, I think this is an important point. (laughs) I'll just go ahead and stop there because it's too cringeworthy. (laughs) That that, that was worse than Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush's please clap. Please clap. You guys see that? (laughs) No. He was at a campaign thing and uh, he says some epic sort of speech. Oh, rally the troops. And and, and everyone just sits there in silence and he goes, please clap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I thought you guys uh, might want to hear that uh, commentary on that at all. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory. It's pretty pretty clear. So that was, you know, it's just little moments like that. You know, we want to share with you guys. It's going to be an interesting year. Um, By the way, we just put up uh, another apology a moment on a pretty important uh, part of the last debate with Chris Christie talking about his position on uh, abortion and he calls it uh, he calls what Planned Parent 
Planned Parenthood does the systematic murdering of a child in the womb. Mm -hmm. And he says anybody who does that is the most radical. And then within a space of a few seconds, he then says that he believes that a woman who was raped um, should have the ability to kill, he says, her child out of self-defense. Yeah. Uh, because she's been violated by somebody. Yeah. So killing her child out of self-defense, uh, we made you know ask the question: Is the child attacking you? Is the child uh, doing anything to to, to violate you? Uh, when else in our nation do we give capital punishment to to babies because of the crimes of the father? But it just goes to show his inconsistent position. And of course, even feminazi atheist uh, comedians like Sarah Silverman can see through it. Uh, she said um, in, uh, in in response, she tweeted, uh, "If abortion." is murder, then what's the difference if it's the product of a rape? Right. See, even an atheist can can see that. It's it's obvious the collapse of that system. Uh, so lots of stuff to talk about this next year. Um, we are not uh, looking for a Messiah. That is important for us to recognize right now as Christians. Every election cycle, we get to this new election of a president, and we think that we're gonna we're gonna hire a Messiah, and we're gonna get to the utopia. But the truth is, the Messiah is already seated on his throne. He's already the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are not looking for a Messiah. Jesus has all authority. What we are looking for is a nation to repent and to come to God in submission to Jesus Christ. And that, I believe, is the only thing that will ever, ever rescue this nation is full repentance. We need to repent of our blood guiltiness. We need to repent of our sin before God. And uh, that's, what, that's what we need to do first and foremost before we think about who's going to solve the problems of this nation. Uh, but it's important. It's an important election because we are now at the, at the precipice of, of, of really a, a breaking point. Uh, this next election does matter a lot uh, because um, if we, if we uh, hire somebody um, who has antithetical beliefs to the biblical worldview and they are far off of the biblical worldview, our children are going to reap the rewards of that. And so it's, it is an important time for us as Christians to speak into this prophetically with the Word of God and to call the nation to faith in Jesus and the gift of eternal life. Um, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest, um, and then we're going to go into the next segment. Um, Rusty Thomas um, is actually somebody, uh, see, the thing is, is you listen to a show like this and you look at the ministries of, say, a church like Apology, a church, the things uh, that, that Pastor Luke and I have been able to, to, to watch mm-hmm. as God has, has brought the, all this together, you, you don't always know the little things that right. if they didn't happen, right. then none of this would exist. Right. I mean, Luke and I have so many stories we could share with you. We could do like 15 episodes on just the stories of Apologia Church. Joy knows. She's been here since the very beginning. The things that God has done to, to bring about the life of this church and, and everything you see in the world that, uh, that someone says, well, it's because of Apologia Radio or the teaching ministry of Apologia Church. That's why I'm doing this. Well, listen, that wouldn't have taken place because of all these little, if not for the little steps that God put mm-hmm. in. Well, okay, so our abortion ministry, the Red Door Ministry, going to abortion clinics uh, to bring the gospel, the over 50 babies saved as a result of it, of just uh, just from Apologia Church, then the countless ministries that have started nationwide as a result of listening to this show. Um, listen, that wouldn't have taken place um, if not for, I would say, Lisa Metzger mm-hmm. talking to us right. that time on the radio program. The three of us were talking right. to Lisa, Lisa uh, when we saw that it's actually possible to save babies in an abortion clinic. She saved over 360 in one year. That set us going. Then it was Marcus Pittman's film, Babies Are Murdered Here. But specifically, specifically for me, I dropped my kids off at school. It was a Thursday. I dropped them off at school. Marcus sent me the link. Um, we, 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 we go way back and, uh, he sent me the link to, to, to preview the film first. Um, 
And I remember sitting in my kids' um, uh, co-op's parking lot. Uh, they're homeschooled, and so they get together on Thursdays to, to hang out with other believers and, and stuff like that. So um, I'm watching the film in, in the parking lot, and I got halfway through the film, and it was Rusty Thomas, his talk in the film that I was weeping. I mean, I was literally in a car sobbing, and that was, that was the thing. Because it was that that led into saying as a, as a church, we must do this. Mm-hmm. And we played Babies Are Murdered here, Marcus. We previewed it, right, right Marcus? We were the, the church that previewed it yeah. at church. Yes. Uh, we, by the way, had people leave church that night yeah. uh, and, and not to come back, I believe. They, yeah. they left and when we played that uh, film, but okay. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, they left yeah. and they never came back. Wow. Um, and uh, so, but they, they, they when, when the church saw Babies Are Murdered here, it was what our church needed to do what we right. are doing now. But I want to play for you a portion of Babies Are Murdered here. This is Rusty Thomas, who's in, in the studio with us today. Uh, this is one of those moments that I'm telling you about. You want to know what's happening to America right now? We are a nation right now in the midst of being dispossessed. Study Leviticus chapter 18, where God goes through all the sexual immorality of the pagan nations that led to child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. He lists that. What did he say? He said a couple of things to Israel. A, don't you dare do what they did, or I'm going to do the same to you. And then he makes this amazing, amazing statement. He said, listen, if a nation kits commits sexual immorality that leads to child sacrifice and shedding of innocent blood. He said, I will visit the iniquity of the land and the land itself will vomit you out. Have we seen a lot of natural disasters lately in the United States of America? How many pictures have we seen on TV with our fellow Americans literally with their hands holding the last remains of their possessions? How many? Literally, the land itself is revolting against us. Why? Because the shedding of innocent blood defiles the land. It pollutes the land. And how many know God has the power to change the landscape? We serve a God, listen, we serve a God that can take a desert and turn it into a watered garden. He also can take a watered garden and turn it into a wilderness. Based upon what? Based upon the morality of the people in the land. There you go. Powerful moment. Rusty, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. Brother, what a blessing to be with you. It's an answer to prayer. Well, um, let me, let me, before we go to our, our break... Our mandatory station break. <laughs> um, uh, Rusty, I'd like to introduce everyone to you who maybe hasn't seen the film Babies Are Murdered Here and is not acquainted with, with, with what God does in your ministry. Who are you and, and what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, first and foremost, a born-again child of God, a uh, follower of Jesus Christ, uh, a husband, a father of 13 children, and uh, a minister of the gospel of the kingdom, brother, you know, just loving Jesus and want to serve him, love him and obey him uh, all the days of my life. And 
to this point, he got me here with you. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Um, so you're involved in, in some, some pretty, pretty important ministry at the moment. So talk, talk about that. What, what is God doing with you right now in ministry? How, how are you being used by God to further the gospel of the kingdom, to, to bring justice and righteousness into the hearts and minds of our rulers, those sorts of things? Well, brother, um, we, we serve in, in different capacities of ministries. I'm the national director of Operation Save America, formerly Operation Rescue. Um, Elijah Ministries, the Kingdom Leadership Institute, where we train up young men to be leaders at time like this demands. And we also have a, a pro-life park called Rachel's Park Memorial. It's a two-acre uh, spot of land, and uh, it administers to post-abortive families to prayerfully get some healing and some deliverance and forgiveness uh, mm. for committing that sin and that crime. Wow. Um, but I with, didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, That's without, awesome. And my goal there, by the way, Jeff, is I'd like to establish one park in every state of the union because I do believe at some point America is going to come to grips with what we have done to our own sons and daughters, and they're going to need a place to go. Yeah. And so that's the purpose of that mm. ministry. But with Operation Save America, brother, we have basically three campaigns. Uh, we have the States of Refuge campaign. Uh, in America right now, we have uh, six states with one surgical death camp remaining defiling the land. And so for the last few years, we've been pouring in our resources, manpower, in the hopes that we could see uh, the first abortion-free states that would deliver us from blood guiltiness uh, in the United States of America. We're also reaching uh, into uh, uh, the black church with an understanding uh, of the racial roots that has led to black genocide. Uh, the strategy there, of course, since our black brothers and sisters have been targeted by this monster, uh, they hold a real key to begin to deliver the United States of America mm. uh, from abortion. Mm. And uh, the Lord has raised up a powerful brother named Bishop Otis Kennett. Uh, a couple of years ago, brother, he, God just birthed him into this battle. Literally saw him transformed before my very eyes. Mm. He got it. And he's, he's bringing it uh, to the black church in the United States of America. So more and more black brothers and sisters, pastors, leaders are getting involved in the battle. And that's, that's tremendous. Uh, this last campaign, what you're talking about, that we just uh, kind of partnered with Pastor Matt Chuella, uh, is the rally the lesser magistrate and our goal there brother jeff is twofold we're looking for the first state to defy federal tyranny by the lesser magistrates the governors the state legislators the sheriff chief of police literally standing in the gap and making up the hedge uh, to restore some check and balance uh, to our federal government that has just spun out of control and has just unleashed lawlessness, corruption, uh, injustice that's literally plundering uh, the citizens of the United States of America. And then long-term, really, is to rally uh, all 50 states to get this doctrine uh, that's not new in history, but is certainly new to us, yeah. to reintroduce it, uh, to encourage governors, state legislators, and sheriffs with the biblical principles in the historical lessons of the lesser magistrate doctrine and how important that is to avoid uh, certain bloodshed if we do not uh, get this right before God. This is important, um, and many of you guys don't that maybe are just checking into Apology Radio for the first time. You didn't hear the past episode we did. 
with uh, Matthew Truella. I encourage you guys, go listen to it. There's the TV show and the after show that we did with Matthew mm-hmm. Truella, but there's also the podcast we put up, which, with, which contained the entire audio, I believe. Of the I believe TV. So, Is yeah. that right, of the TV show? I think so, yeah. It's up there at ApologiaRadio.com. If you don't know it, if you haven't heard it, go check it out, ApologiaRadio.com. I think the title of it is Defying Tyrants, I think is what we said as a, as a title. Just check, go look for it. It's somewhere in the past two months or so of episodes. It's really important for you guys to hear. And we're going to talk about a lot today with Rusty, but in particular, we're going to talk about this doctrine of the lesser magistrates. I have a lot of places that I want to go, I'm sure, that Luke and, ever, and Joy and everyone else has something they want to ask. Um, but uh, kind of cool thing, uh, tomorrow, uh, Rusty and I are going to meet with uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, the toughest sheriff in America. Uh, and so that's exciting. And I would tell you to pray for it, but by the time you hear this, uh, it'll be over. Um, so, uh, but just, uh, I, I hope, uh, just hearing that encourages you that there are things happening in the background. God is moving uh, to, to speak justice and truth into the hearing um, of these lesser magistrates. And so um, I'm excited. Big show for today. So we're going to do, guys, take a quick break, mostly for us, not for you. And uh, we'll be right back in just a moment. Apologiaradio.com with our not public radio segment, NPR, with Steady Randy. He's even got that uh, NPR sweater going on right now. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He put it on when he came in and he said, I got to get into character. (laughs) Perfect. It matches your beard very nicely today. Well, thank you. And you guys got to see, if you could just steady Randy's beautiful man, just wonderful, <laughs> a, a gray salt and pepper beard uh, with a nice NPR sweater. It's just delicious. All right, guys, be right back. Apologiaradio.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Don't forget to become part of our all access. Be a part of what God is doing in this ministry to bring the good news of the king to the ends of the earth, to see the entire earth subdued by Jesus and his peace. Hi, I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. It's a theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. Welcome to Apologia NPR, not public radio news, recorded in the sixth week of the year of our Lord, 2016. This week, we're looking at stories about politics and rape. Well, perhaps you believe that was a little redundant. Let's... (laughs) (laughs) I told you. I told you. Uh, Let's follow Senator Bernie Sanders for a while. Things started out rough for him even before the Iowa caucus. First, there were the Bernie Bros, male fans of the senator in his presidential horse race. Bernie Bros should not be confused with the similar-sounding bronies, male fans of My Little Pony. (laughs) 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 Bernie Bros were targeting female supporters of Hillary Clinton online by accusing them of simply voting based on who had the lady bits. Bill Clinton called their activities vicious trolling and attacks that are literally too profane, not to mention sexist. <clears throat> Sounds almost like he was accusing them of rape. <laughs> However, <laughs> Bernie had a terse message for any of his supporters who engage in online harassment. Oh, look at We don't want that crap. We don't want it. 
Okay, let's hold it. We don't want the crap. Then there was the controversy at the Iowa caucus when a number of coin flips decided some of the delegates in the close race. It seems Bernie did not understand that Anton Chigurh, the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, was officiating. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? The most you ever lost on a coin toss? I don't know. I couldn't say. Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. <laughs> well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. Iowa was, was truly no country for old men. <laughs> most <laughs> most <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> most unbelievable. Psychopath in the history of film. Yeah, he was pretty crazy. Anton, Anton Chigurh, Chigurh <laughs> yes. in uh, No Country for Old Men. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Some of that pain must have been <laughs> taken away in New Hampshire with big wins for the Byrne and the Donald. The Huffington Post celebrated Trump's win by headlining New Hampshire Republicans as racist, sexist, xenophobic. Douglas Wilson, go away. Uh, oh, wait. No. I'm sorry. That, that last reference was about something else. And it wasn't stated in such a way as to rhyme. Yes. The charge is you're a racist. Racist, sexist, anti gay. You're a sexist. And you're anti gay. Racist, sexist, anti gay. Douglas Wilson, go away. Right. And it's stated in such a way as to rhyme. <laughs> a little, little, a little boost there for the free speech apocalypse mm -hmm. available at freespeechapocalypse.com, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Back in the 1980s, President Ronald Reagan and Pope John Paul II met in the Vatican Library to discuss Poland and the Soviet dominance of Eastern Europe. Both had survived assassination attempts only six weeks apart, and both believed God had saved them for a special mission. Well, yeah. Well, me and the Lord... We got an understanding. What? We're on a mission from God. <laughs> you don't know what that is? No, what's it from? It's from uh, Blues Brothers. Oh, that's right. Oh, mission classic. from Gad. Yeah. In that meeting, Reagan and the Pope agreed to undertake a clandestine campaign to hasten the dissolution of the communist empire. The resulting political and relig religious alliance was a huge factor in winning the Cold War. Some have seen a similar alliance forming with President Obama and Pope Francis, while Obama disagrees with the Roman Catholic Church's traditional teachings that oppose abortion, contraception, and same-sex marriage. Pope Francis has made Roman Catholic traditionalists uneasy with his who am I to judge comment and multiple calls for a new world order. But both the current president and pontiff have found common ground in their opposition to both unfettered capitalism and income equality while considering climate change not only real, but also specifically a moral issue. In the Pope's encyclical, Laudato Si, published last summer, the Pope excoriated wasteful consumerism and unchecked human economic activity as a root cause of climate change, singling out one product in particular for censure, the air conditioner. <clears throat> Even though he has AC at his papal residence, <clears throat> Perhaps I've mentioned before that Phoenix is a little warm in the summer. 
At any rate, even though Christians say they don't trust the mainstream news, it makes perfect sense for Christians to interpret revelation using the news, such as Twitter. For their interpretive <laughs> grounding. Oh, was that a tweet? <laughs> yeah, it was a tweet. It was a little tweet. Perfect. It was a micro tweet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, such as Twitter for their interpretive grounding of revelation. Here, let me give it a try. With Bernie Sandler's beastly primary win in New Hampshire, it won't be the Obama-Francis alliance that ushers in the tribulation, but a Sanders-Francis love fest, with Sanders being the beast and Francis starring as the Antichrist. <laughs> Bernie has already claimed that climate change causes Islamic terrorism, and Pope Francis has read from the Quran at the Vatican, setting the stage for a Jew and a Catholic to forge peace with the Islamic world and unify the people into a one-world religion, fighting against God and his creation via punishing climate change legislation. All who follow them... <laughs> quit interrupting me, doggone it. <clears throat> All who follow them will receive a solar panel on their forehead or hand. <laughs> solar panel. As my proof text, Revelation 19.20. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. It just seems right to me that anyone trying to do away with my air conditioning would be tormented day and night forever and ever in a lake of fire. Feel the burn, baby. Feel the burn. <laughs> feel the burn. Hashtag feel the burn. <clears throat> All right. The Red Pill is an internet community on Reddit founded on the general belief that women have it better than men. Red Pill is not a forum for dating advice, but rather a place where mostly men explore an ideology that revolves persistently around gender. Those who swallow the pill maintain that it's men, not women, who have been socially disenfranchised. Feminism is considered a damaging ideology, and red pillars are quick to cite examples that bolster their points, some going so far as to argue that society is outright anti-male. Red pill followers have their own politics, language, and culture, and they're growing. Eight months ago, Red Pill had only 100 followers. Today, it has more than 15,000. Red Pill is a collection of ideas encompassed by what its subscribers refer to as the Manosphere, <laughs> a number of loosely associated <laughs> blogs that focus on masculinity and personal philosophy for men. At the surface level, there's nothing terribly contentious about this, but if you go deeper into the rabbit hole, you'll find plenty of examples why its discussions generate controversy, like this. You are hating women because you have the wrong expectations for them. Don't hate someone for something they cannot be. Women are by nature manipulative, attention-seeking, inconsistent, emotional, and hypergamous. Accept this truth. What do you think about that, Joy? <laughs> what? How you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> Accept this truth. Once you do, you can game women for what they are, not what you want them to be. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Morpheus, the online moderator for the group, was asked if red pillars hate women. He said, delving into red pill ideas is a very shocking experience for some especially for those who are raised to believe that politically correct ideals reflect nature. The road to our forum is paved with bad experiences, men who have never been loved, 
have loved and lost, men who have tried and failed, or men who succeeded and were taken advantage of. We're definitely a little different from the women's right movement in the sense that we don't seek to fix society or our government, he said. In fact, a lot of us feel that things are beyond fixing. Sure, it'd be nice if reproductive rights were equal between men and women, but nobody's holding their breath about it. A majority of our goals are personal and interpersonal improvement, not really something to write your congressperson for. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That's weird. Darius Roosh Valazada is a blogger and pickup artist who founded a neo-masculinity group called Return of Kings. He's written 18 self-published books and often goes on the internet to shame women. He recently made a post suggesting he supported the legalization of rape if it were on private property. Mm, yep. Here's what he that. said. Without daddy government to protect her, a girl would absolutely not enter a private room with a man she doesn't know or trust unless she is absolutely sure she is ready to sleep with him. Consent is now achieved when she passes underneath the room's doorframe because she knows that a man can legally do anything he wants, her when it wants to her when it comes to sex. Bad encounters are sure to occur, but these can be learning experiences for the poorly trained woman so she can better identify in the future the type of good man who will treat her like the delicate flower that she believes she is. Wow. Mm, that she believes she is. Roosh, wow. Roosh planned an international meetup day for his Return of Kings followers with seven different meetup locations in Texas alone. Yep. In Ireland, it was reported that the group's members were asked to identify each other by the passphrase, do you know where the nearest pet, pet shop, shop is? is? Yeah, yeah. However, after the group meetings became publicized, Rouge became a little boy, sounding ironically like a fearful victim who has no control over their environment and is afraid of being dominated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such wow. great commentary. Oh, wow. That's such great commentary. <laughs> he said, I can no longer guarantee the safety or privacy of the men who want to attend on February 6th, especially since most of the meetups cannot be made private in time. While I can't stop men who want to continue meeting in private groups, there will be no official Return of Kings meetups. The listing page has been scrubbed of all locations. I apologize to all the supporters who are let down by my decision. Among the many posts on the Return of Kings website are blogs dedicated to Donald Trump and his racist, sexist, xenophobic campaign. It is unknown if the Bernie Bros or Bill Clinton had planned on attending the meetings prior to their cancellation. Brothers and you, sisters, you're a genius. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, Dominion is not based on making a kingdom for ourselves, but resting in the authority of the seated king, reigning now in justice and mercy, so that our courage is grounded in something greater than our insecurities. That's it for Apology NPR this week. Man, you hey. are a genius, sir. All right. Wow. All right. Thank you. Very kind. Very kind. <laughs> Way to go. I attempted a golf clap. <laughs> it was, that was something. <laughs> well, you heard it here on Apologia Radio. See, that's just the kind of thing that I think makes Apologia Radio so unique. Cultural <laughs> conversations. You get the news with a pretty exciting little flavor to it. You get theology and apologetics. We're going to go into, in a moment here, a pretty big and important discussion uh, about a lot of things, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. But I actually want to start the discussion in a different way to get us there. And so what we're going to do is take a breather, let you guys stop to get a drink. We were just joined in the studio by Nostradamus. We got, uh, we got the, what we call him, the mouth 
The Voice. We got The Voice. <laughs> the Voice. <laughs> uh, Nostradamus, The Voice, uh, whatever, the, the mouth. The mouth. The, the, the nose. Uh, whatever. The, the Retired homeschool woodpecker. Yes. <laughs> Yep. Washed up homeschool woodpecker. Washed up. <laughs> All right, guys. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us. Thank you guys for all your love and support. Be right back. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the Word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tembe. Hey there. We are a family-integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church, that's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory! I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That's the truth, y'all. That's where we're at now. Jesus reigning. All peoples, nations, languages coming to worship Him. To worship Him. That's the glorious thing about Daniel chapter 7 is that you have the Son of Man coming up to the Ancient of Days, up to the Ancient of Days, presented before Him, given a kingdom that all the nations should worship worship him one of those glorious examples in in the old testament uh that displays the deity of jesus christ the messiah that he's god coming to rescue his people from their sins son of man being worshiped and that's where we're at today you know we have a lot of new listeners um a lot of new listeners to apology radio luke and i were talking about this the other day Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people that um don't know a lot really about us. You guys are just tuning in for the first time. Maybe you haven't checked out the archives. That's why we're always reminding you to go check out the archives. Uh, we have so many episodes there, so many really special guests talking about so many important issues. Um, but one of the things that's a highlight, uh, truth, uh, belief uh, for us is that Jesus uh, wins. Mm-hmm. That he's the ruling king, that he has all authority in heaven and on earth now. Today, he's not waiting for it. He has it today. And we believe that it's the role of the bride to be an appropriate helpmeet 
toward, to Jesus, who is taking dominion as the second Adam, as the perfect representative of his people. Uh, Jesus has dominion. It says in the Psalms, he has dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. He shall have dominion. And Jesus is bringing about that dominion by his gospel, his good news, by bringing salvation to all the nations. And, and, and our role in that is to, to have a faithful proclamation of the good news of the kingdom in the culture that we live. The goal really is not just a couple disciples in a basement. The goal really is the nations. So it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that he has all authority and we're told to go therefore and to make disciples of all the nations, mm-hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. That's the, that's the role. And so with that, I want to talk to Rusty now. Uh, pretty, pretty big discussion beyond simply the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, although I want to get there. Um, one of the things that moved me so much about what you had to say in the film Babies Are Murdered Here, Babies Are Murdered Here, available on YouTube, by the way, guys, for free. Um, the, thing, the things that you said that really moved me was you, you really talked about the impact of child sacrifice upon a nation. You talked about how God doesn't turn a blind eye to this sort of a thing. God responds. And you talked about the pattern that God has shown, shown for us in the Old Testament of responding to this sort of thing and the land vomiting people out and God bringing san- sanctions upon his people and even surrounding nations, judging them for their wicked acts. So I, w- I want you to start with that, I, I, if you would, Rand, uh, Rusty. I, I don't think that um, maybe you expected to talk about that today, but I do want to hear you talk to us about that specific point, that God being concerned about um, the ethics of a nation, uh, right. what do they do, that he actually still responds with sanctions, that he still responds uh, with judgment today, and he expects obedience. He does, brother. Well, you know, uh, people get involved in this battle for a number of reasons, Jeff. Uh, for me, uh, as one who was raised in an atheist home, you know, literally demonized, I mean, my mm. prayer uh, to God was literally banging my head off of brick walls and screaming in torment because I just wanted out of this life. Mm. Something inside of me was devouring me and uh, it was killing me, destroying me. And for whatever reason, that was the prayer that God heard. And in due time, he opened my eyes, brother, and, mm. and a love that I did not know existed you know, just flooded my soul and I was set free. I was a, I was a new man in Christ. And, you know, and I went full time into ministry and, and, and brother, I was always a preacher of righteousness, even as a pastor, as a traveling minister, you know, if there was sin in my life and my family and the church and the nation, I addressed it and I addressed it head on mm-hmm. with the truth of God's word. But when it came to abortion, brother, it, it was, it was a word that we kind of debated. It was a word that we argued, but I did not come to the reality of the understanding of abortion until I actually saw it. You know, Jeremiah in the scripture says, Lord, you set me up and I'm set up. Mm. And that's what, that's what, um, Jeff, that's what God did with me. He just literally set me up and it was a threefold witness. Uh, number one, I came across this uh, video called the massacre of innocence by Eric Homburg. And it's a, it's a, 
scholarly work. Uh, he, he, the first part of it, he traces child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood in the Old Testament uh, to Ammon and Moab. That was the incestuous affair between the daughters of Lot and Lot. And they were the first tribes that introduced child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent mm. blood into this world. And he traces it from there to the modern day. But it was the second part, Jeff, uh, that was, was just took its toll upon me. Um, you remember Pat Benatar, the old rock and roller mm-hmm. from the 80s? Mm-hmm. She had a song called Hell is for Children. Mm-hmm. And every time she screamed, Hell is for Children, pictures of aborted babies. I mean, severed limbs, heads, torsos just floating in the blood. And I could remember at that moment that my mental capacity, my emotional capacity could not handle the evil that I was seeing. And I I literally turned it off and I remember running into my bedroom, running prostrate before God. And, you know, I tell people it wasn't just crying, brother. It wasn't just weeping. I, I was wailing so intense that my physical chest hurt. I was like an accordion. I mean, sounds were coming out of me like a wounded animal. Uh, it, it, it was, uh, it, well, it, it was my Isaiah 6 moment. Mm. Uh, mm. I saw the Lord. I saw his mind about this Holocaust, and I was literally undone. My life just unraveled before my very eyes. And, and I'm not one of those guys, Jeff, that can see something like that and walk away. I can't fake it. I had seen it. And, and, and I knew somehow instinctively that I was responsible And so through a lot of repenting and seeking the scriptures, fasting and prayer, I knew that I had to cross the line of obedience uh, and get involved in this thing. But what really what sealed it for me, brother, really, that that has kept me for the last few decades uh, in this battle for the souls of men, the lives of children, the future of our nation, is when most people address abortion, even people who are concerned about it, They normally do it from the perspective of the child in the womb, that innocent child in the womb that's being torn up, or the mother that maybe they think is being victimized, or, you know, what impact it might have on politics or our culture. But what really sealed it for me, brother, is how this particular sin, abomination, affects the God that we love Mm. and that we serve. See, that's a perspective, particularly most Christians, uh, do does not receive. It's not taught upon. But y- when you go through the scriptures, you study the Old Testament right through the New Testament, uh, it is real clear that God has a serious opinion, uh, you know, yeah. about this atrocity. Yeah. And, um, and one of the first things I guess the Lord did to me, uh, and I can, you know, I can just give you these different scriptures that yeah. really kind of leapt off the page and really convicted me. Because most people, when they've partaken of God's salvation, brother, they fall in love with God. I mean, they really love him because what he has done on their behalf. And I know there was a huge pit that God dug me out of and he set me free. And and so as I began to study the scriptures in this great battle uh, for the lives of these children, I, I began to notice things like Leviticus chapter 20, one through five, where the scripture tells us and he's speaking about a nation uh, that is giving their seed to Moloch. 
Uh, if anybody knows the ancient evils of child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, that was laid right at the feet of Moloch and Baal. Uh, these these were um, I, idols right. uh, from the pagan nations that Israel eventually adopted as their very own. Mm-hmm. And it's a lying spirit that says, basically, <laughs> give the child to me, and all is going to be well with you. If you sacrifice this child, uh, we're going to bless your crops. We're going to bless your herds. Uh, you know, things of this nature. Well, God says in Leviticus chapter 20, if you live in a nation that does this and you don't do anything to stop this, he said two things. He says, my sanctuary is defiled and my holy name is profaned. And I thought, man, who is the sanctuary of the Lord if not the body of Christ? And we're talking about his holy name, the name that is above all names. And at that name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He says, if you live in a nation that practices this and you don't stop it, my holy name is profaned. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, Jeff, when I, when, I, when I read that, I mean, you know how, you remember how the prophets of old, they felt jealous, mm-hmm. you know, jealous for the Lord their God, jealous for his holiness, jealous for his name. And when I saw that, I said, my gosh, and you look at the condition of the American church today, and you see the uncleanness that is taking place in the church of Jesus Christ, those that call upon the name of the Lord. You, you see this coming to pass. God warned of these things. Um, Psalm 106, you know, we're concerned about tyranny and and injustice, you know, and corruption and the pollution that's taken place in the United States of America. Well, here's what the scriptures teach in Psalm 106. He says, when we sacrifice our sons and daughters, first of all, it says we're sacrificing them to demons. And this is what we have to understand. The shedding of innocent blood, particularly child sacrifice, it, it nurtures the demonic realm. I can remember, Jeff, first going out to the abortion mills. Yeah. And I, I ran into this phenomenon because there was a lot of homosexuals guarding the death camp. Mm. And naturally speaking, I'm going, explain this to me. Mm. What in the world... Why would you be at a place? Because we know your lifestyle and your sexual practices does not produce life. Hmm. So, you know, why are you here? See, and here's the thing, brother. A lot of these guys knows the battle a, a lot better than the church of Jesus Christ. And we, we don't understand. This, this, this is twin evils. Child sacrifice and parading our sin like Sodom. Mm-hmm. One feeds the other. Literally, if you want to know why this homosexual juggernaut has taken off and been so successful, they're literally feeding off the blood of innocent Mm. children. That is the spirit that empowers it. And that's why they defend those death camps. And it's 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 an amazing thing. Mm. All right. So it nurtures the demonic realm. It says that it pollutes and defiles the land. And we went into a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can blame, you know, global warming all we want or El Nino all we want. But the bottom line is God controls the weather. Amen. Okay. Yes. And if we're going to commit these kind of acts, uh, the scripture tells us that he will punish the land uh, mm-hmm. for this iniquity and it will vomit mm-hmm. us out. 
Okay. It also says this practice angers the Lord. And again, in the American church, we don't talk much about the anger of the Lord. We'll talk about his mercy and his grace. He's a loving God. And, he's a, and he is a loving he God. Is, That's the yeah. thing. We yeah. wouldn't be here if he, right. if he wasn't a loving God. Yeah. But he's not a God to be trifled with. Mm-hmm. And he said, I will not always strive with you on certain things. Mm-hmm. Okay. There does come accountability and there does come retribution. Mm. And so what does the anger of the Lord look like in the real world? Well, God says this, those that hate you will rule over you. If people want to understand the significance of the last several decades, and I don't care regardless of what political party, if you wonder why there is open hostility right now, in the United States of America against Christianity, look no further than child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. If you want to understand the significance of the Obama administration, I mean, this is a president from Hades, and he is on assignment, and he is God's man, but he ain't sitting here to uphold the Constitution and to defend uh, and protect American citizens. He's here with an evil agenda. Obama represents the fourfold evils of the United States of America that's destroying us. He represents abortion, homosexuality, communism, and Islam. Mm. And all four are detrimental to our survival. And so why is he there? Why is he in this position? Because we've murdered close to 60 million children made in the image of God. Mm. Okay. Now there is some good news in the midst of this though, brother, because right after then he's talking in context with Israel right after they had sacrificed their children and right after they had sodomites in the temple corrupting the temple the scripture says that when God heard their cry he remembered the covenant and he restored them in the land and so there is still some hope but this is the serious situation that we are facing uh, in second kings Uh, It talks about Manasseh, that wicked king, the most wicked king in Israel's history. Mm. It said he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood to the point that God unleashed the fierce pagan nations to attack Israel. And it says this amazing statement. It's one of the most scariest statements in all of the Bible. It said the Lord would not pardon. Now, Jeff. Brother, where are we without the forgiveness of God? Where are we as as men and nations uh, without the forgiveness or the pardon of Almighty God? And what we have to understand, there are two specific sins that once they reach heaven, you are in trouble with the Almighty. And that is child sacrifice and homosexuality. And and we're, we're coming into a time in our nation's history where our government is empowering and enabling uh, these abominations. We're literally codifying this evil into law. So what does that mean for, for us as Christians in the United States of America? Well, we know that sword is not neutral. If they're going to uphold and defend and protect child sacrifice and homosexuality, they must of necessity punish the righteous. And this is what leads to the lesser magistrate doctrine and why that is so important now in our history. Mm, powerful stuff. You guys want to 
I don't even. I'm. I don't even have anything to say right now. I'm, now was, you don't know why I put him in Babies and Murder yeah, here, huh? <laughs> well, um, we're going to take a break um, and then come into the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. We're actually going to continue that discussion on the television show as well. Um, but okay, so one of the things that I that I we have said a lot is that we don't want child sacrifice to simply end in our nation to simply end like it's not it's not we do want it to end please stop right, it please right. stop killing babies tomorrow um today but it really is with 60 million babies plus slaughtered by our nation it really is an issue where as a nation there must be national repentance mm -hmm. yes because i do not believe that god as a holy and just and righteous God that he is, will sweep this under the rug, turn a blind eye to the murderous heart of our nation. We cannot simply do this and then walk away as though it never existed. Right. Um, and so I think that what we need to preach is the truths that you're saying today. Because it, and here's why I'm saying it the way that I am. I don't know if I'm communicating in the way that I want to, but I think it needs to be heard. God does respond to nations and their national sin. Yep. And he does judge them for their national sin. And he says as much with Israel and with the surrounding nations in the Old Testament. You might say, well, that was Israel in the Old Testament. That's God's character. That's unchanging. Well, even our founding fathers, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, George Mason, who gave us the Bill of Rights. Yeah. He was the one that talks about national sin brings mm -hmm. national calamity. Yes. And because nations will not be judged in the afterlife, only individuals, that God has to deal with nations in the here and yes. now. Yes. And of course, he was warning about the sin and crime of slavery. And as Americans, we have to understand, it cost this nation 630,000 men yeah. to atone for that crime before God. So, you know, here in our own covenant our own national covenant the declaration of independence mm. all right we talk about the right to liberty the right to life and the pursuit of happiness because of our creator god this blessing this right we have from god yeah. we violated that brother we mm. violated the liberty of our black brothers and sisters and the judgment of god surely fell upon this nation mm -hmm. now think up with me we have denied the right to life, the most first and most fundamental right of all, to our own sons and daughters, to the tune of close to 60 million children. Man, if this is, if, in other words, if this is how God deals with nations who deny liberty, how is he going to deal with the United States of America who has denied life? This is a very present danger that we are facing. And of course, God's people, it always goes at the doorstep of the church of Jesus Christ. You know, it's left to us, to, in other words, to live our lives in such a way that we are standing in the gap. We are making up the hedge and giving God a reason to show mercy to a nation that literally is begging for his judgments. That's right. That's right. Powerful stuff, guys. Um, now you know why I love Rusty Thomas so much. Um, all right, so we're going to come right back. I want to uh, maybe allow uh, the guys over to my right to say something to open up the next segment, but uh, we're going to go into the discussion of the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, an important doctrine, and it has everything to do 
with what we're talking about right now. Everything to do. As a matter of fact, one of the death blows that we can deliver to the uh, pro-choice movement is in this area of the doctrine of the lesser mm-hmm. magistrate. Uh, it's one of the most important things that we could be doing right now as a church, speaking into uh, the hearing of our lesser magistrates, the people that stand between us and the tyrants. And yes, it matters. Listen, the promise of the Messiah in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, is that the coastlands were going to wait for his law. He was, he, he was going to come. The coastlands were going to wait for his law and that he would not stop his mission as Messiah until justice was established in the earth. Boy, that is something heavy to think about because the only real way that actually occurs is through uh, regeneration, through a new heart in the sense of people loving God's law and desiring his justice. That's how people get it um, willingly because God has opened their eyes and their hearts. But justice will be established in a nation and in the world. It's going to happen willingly because hearts have been changed. People repent and fall before Jesus. Or it will happen because you are crushed under his feet. Um, God will respond. Jesus wins, not just at the end of history, he wins in history. And so the question is, is are we going to, as Christians, faithfully, like our forefathers, represent Christ and his kingdom in our current time and place in history? It's an important question to ask, and it's why I think we're here. So be right back, guys. More ApologiaRadio.com. Real fast, Rusty, where can people go to get connected with you to access your ministry where do they go well we got three websites uh probably the most important one is operationsaveamerica.org we also have elijahmin.com and statesofrefuge.org okay perfect all right guys go check out rusty at those sites be right back apology radio Hi, this is Waterboy with Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apologia Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter, Apologia Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology, and we do a lot of swing dancing, and we make a delicious chicken gravy. ApologiaRadio.com. I cannot fail to let you know about something totally awesome. ReformCon 2016, June 1st through 4th, reformcon.org, reformcon.org. It is going to be an epic moment for the church. I'm excited. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, here in Tempe, Arizona, Arizona Community Church, we are teaming up with the Reform Pubcast. 
Apologia Radio. We have Dr. James White, John Sampson, Dr. Scott Oliphant, myself, Luke Pearson. Joy's going to be there. All the staff of Apologia Radio, King Ginger, uh, Vocab Malone. We have more coming. It is going to be completely awesome. Go to reformcon.org and pick up your tickets. Get the early bird special. You get a pretty significant discount, and you're going to get your tickets. We're going to get some special goodies for you guys. Uh, you're going to get to hang out with us. This is going to be not just a conference where you sit and you listen. A lot of interaction, a lot of fellowships, some breakout sessions, time to hang out with each other, fun stuff. This is the only conference, I think, uh, probably ever, Christian conference, where uh, coming dressed as your favorite Christian in history Totally acceptable. Totally acceptable. And uh, if you want to uh, come dress like a Darth Vader Pope, uh, that would also be very much appreciated. <laughs> yes. Um, dress like Anderson. What's that? Uh, what if someone comes dressed as Stephen Anderson? Would that be acceptable? That would be. Yeah. Uh, this is more like the. This is like the Comic Con of That's the anti-reform. Re- yeah, reform <laughs> conferences, and so yeah, it, it'll be a lot of fun. But the most important thing is we get together. The point of the conference is to get equipped, uh, to get trained, to get encouraged, to get lifted up. Uh, to, to really submit to Christ and to get moving. That's the point, is to really equip people to get in the fight. We want people in the fight in the blogosphere. We want people in the fight in media. We want people in the fight on the ground where these death camps are, on the ground uh, talking to, to, to everybody around you about the gospel. That's, that's a point, is to get moving, to get encouraged. Reformcon.org. Make sure you guys check it out, get your tickets. Uh, we'll be there. I'd love to see you guys there and shake your hand, say hi to you guys. So please uh, get those tickets, y'all. Yes. All right. Uh, I'll let you guys take over from here. Okay. So, um, you, Jeff, you touched on something. Um, my mind started spinning after I processed what Rusty said. It took me a few minutes. That was that was awesome. It was heavy, though. Um, so you kind of touched on uh, that. Um, yes, we want to end abortion immediately and homosexuality immediately, but that's not, th- those are symptoms of the, of the cause and the root issue. And you, you kind of touch on this too, is, is it's the heart of the hearts of everybody in this nation. And so that's why it's, it's so important. Um, and Rusty, I know you would agree with this, this is why it's so important to just preach the gospel because the gospel is what's going to end, uh, homosexuality. It's going to end abortion because that's getting to the root of the issue and not just putting a band-aid over the symptoms. Amen, brother. Um, we, we do have to understand the gospel is the st- starting point right. uh, of a changed heart, a changed mind, and, and a new way of living. Uh, but from there, you know, the establishment of a biblical worldview. Yes. That we burn, you know, we, we view the burning issues of the day through the grid of God's Absolutely. word. Right. You know, and uh, it's very, very important uh, because you, you look at the American church, uh, there are people, a lot of people who have partaken of God's salvation, but they don't have a biblical worldview. And they kind of gloss over scriptures like Jesus Christ is to have preeminence mm-hmm. in all things. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what does all things right. mean? Exactly. I mean, does that include law? Does that include government? Does that include journalism? Yes. Does it include science? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. You see, and, uh, you know, so besides the importance of personal salvation, and we never want to make light of that, um, th- there is other ministries that God has called the Church of Jesus Christ to, and and, and one of those is, is being salt and, and, and being light yep. uh, in the culture, in law, in government. 
um, you know, we know that the law of God uh, cannot save us. But the law of God is very important in mm-hmm. restraining evil mm-hmm. and bringing protection to society. You know what I mean? In other yeah. words, w- would we rather live in a nation where thou shalt not murder is honored or in a nation that codifies that evil into law mm. where our children are, are being subject to cruel deaths, you know? And so the, these are very, very important issues, brothers and sisters, and we have to... Uh, reflect our understanding not only of the salvation and and of the gospel but of god's kingdom and the role of his law in society amen i like you (laughs) just gonna gonna throw that out there (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) all right so i'll jump in here i know we're waiting for uh, it yeah so jerry doesn't have headphones so it kind of is confusing (laughs) i know um so, Russ, I had a question here. So, in an earlier segment, you mentioned about some of your involvement with uh, working with the local county and community and really kind of standing in the gap, um, really t- t- standing in the gap against the action that the federal government has taken. And um, I wa- so I want you to kind of talk more about that, but also um, I want to get your thoughts on something. So, I run a lot of the social media uh, for Apologia Studios. And given that it's an election season, we're, we're starting to take a little more of an aggressive stance politically, as, as Jeff mentioned earlier, speaking prophetically into the culture because biblical worldview matters. And, you know, Christ, Christ uh, has authority over all things, including government. So we're doing so obviously we're taking that angle. But my question is, is that, um, well, so we, we've actually have gotten a lot of uh, commentary or sometimes flack recently, which have really told us that we need to quote unquote stop getting so much more into politics and just focus on the gospel so given that you are we know just hearing your passion brother that you your focus is the gospel but for a christian and for a brother and sister who has that point how would you graciously explain to them that why it's important to be about the gospel but also be in government go ahead can we get your thoughts on that well, brother, there's a difference between root and fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ has to deal with the roots of our woe, whether it's our own personal sin or our national sin. We have to address that. And then there's the fruit that, that comes uh, either with uh, embracing that, implementing that, or neglecting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, in other words, the law and the government we have right now is a reflection of the heart of the citizens of the United States of America. And as the Church of Jesus Christ, we got to wage a strategic warfare. In other words, there's war in the heavenlies, and we got to win that battle in the heavenlies, and we got to win that battle on the streets, and we got to win that battle uh, in the culture by transforming the hearts of men with the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we're faithful to do that, Jerry, Mm -hmm. God himself will begin to change our laws and will begin to change our government. But we see as as American Christians, we want to hire Republican mercenaries to fight a battle that only the church of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. uh, can win. I mean, the Bible tells us that it, the gates of hell will not prevail against the Democratic Party. <laughs> the gates of hell will not prevail against the Republican Party. 
No, there's one institution that God has ordained mm-hmm. to take this enemy on and take him out, and that is the church of the living God. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we are AWOL. We're missing in action. I, I can remember when, when God began to birth me into this battle, I came across this quote by Martin Luther, and I'm telling you, buddy, it rocked my world. It really did. And this is what he said. He said, if I can expound every truth of the Bible, but I am silent at that one point where the world and the devil is attacking the truth, I am not preaching Christ, no matter how much I proclaim Christ. And basically he was saying is, is, is if, if we're AWOL uh, in the battle where the devil and the truth is attacking the, the, you know, the word of God, the truth of God, uh, you know, we're failing as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And so these issues like, like abortion, like homosexuality, uh, if we don't deal with them, well, they are certainly dealing with mm-hmm. us. And, and this is where we have to get involved uh, with the gospel, uh, in the culture, in the streets, and even politically. Yeah. Somebody got a plate to pass because Rusty's preaching. Thank you, thank you for sharing that, brother. <laughs> um, I'd like... Um, I'd like for you to talk about your kids and your family. You said um, 13, right? Yeah, which I think ties into what we're talking about because we're talking about a society that doesn't even think one kid is an acceptable amount of kids to have. Well, <laughs> but you have 13. Yes. Well, um, just to begin that conversation, it was getting involved uh, in this battle for life that God opened my eyes to the importance of the marriage covenant of family and children, if I can just be honest with you. I was a young man, the Bible says marry or burn. I was burning, so I thought marriage, you know, would solve the problem. By the way, it doesn't. You better deal with lust before you get married, by the way. Um, But the point of the matter is, uh, when it came to children, that wasn't really on the radar for me. Uh, I I just, I was a selfish, lustful scumbag, and I thought, you know, that marriage would solve that, you know. But it was with God breaking my heart and opening my eyes to the plight of the children uh, that the value of children was really raised in my, in, you know, uh, in my heart. And I, I could remember the thought coming to me is how in the world can I defeat Planned Parenthood and all these minions when I'm living their, my life by their dictates? Mm. You know, some of the things that they, they were advocating, I was implementing in my own life. And that really came as a horrible revelation. And so, you know, I had to repent and I began to, to study the scriptures. So we just, just didn't practice, you know, preach pro-life. We actually practice pro-life and, and, and to see the importance of children. Um, you know, with the feminist agenda came, you know, birth control, uh, abortion, homosexuality, which are these are, you know, huge assaults against the family, which is the building block of your society. And I came up with this sort of uh, equation, you know, as goes the father, so goes the family, as goes the family, so goes the church, and as goes the church, so goes your nation. Hmm. And so these are very, very important concepts, and I I truly believe um, that those people who honor and understand and respect and live out the God-ordained role of family, a father, a mother, children, 
uh, who are raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. These are the folks that own the future. I could remember, Brother Jeff, going to the abortion mill one time uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And here's all the pro-lifers showing up like in 15 passenger vans. It took us like five minutes to get all our kids out of the van. <laughs> and meanwhile, all the lesbians and the pro-aborts were, you know, in their little hybrids. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it took them like two seconds to get out. And I can remember we were going to go across the street, you know, to minister. But I said, folks, hold up. Stop. I want all the Christians to be on this side of the road. And I want those that are oppose us on the other side of the road. And I just told him, I said, I, just, I, I, I want to give you a visual object lesson right now. And you tell me who owns the future. That's right. You tell mm. me. I said, just my family alone hmm. outnumbers your entire army. There. Yeah. And I said, you're lesbians. You're not going to have any children. And you're standing in a place that wants to wipe out the seed of others. And of course, they got all nervous and they started laughing. I said, but honestly... Look at this. Hmm. Who owns the future? You see, my kids, they're your worst nightmare. Hmm. The meek shall inherit the earth. The exactly. Earth. The earth. The earth. There you go. Good question, Joy. Yeah. This is why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> I'm surprised um, you didn't ask him about his animals. Okay, so let's leap into this. And we're going to have the larger discussion on the radio show. I'm sorry, on the television show. If you guys want to see that, go to ApologiaRadio.com. Sign up for the All Access. Partner with this ministry. Join with us. It's not about us. There's no rock star hosts here. It's not about us. It's about Speak Jesus. Speak for yourself. Yeah, except for the joy. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is about the ministry that's being done. You partner with us in the ministry. We give you all the additional content. You make all of it possible. And we're going to do the radio show with Rusty and talk in detail. Rusty, we're going to meet with um, Sheriff Joe, uh, toughest sheriff in America tomorrow. And uh, what, why? What, why are we talking to a lesser magistrate? Talk to us about that doctrine and why it's important to do what we're doing. Well, he, he is a sheriff that whether he's aware of the doctrine or not, you know, he has certainly lived it out, buddy. He has, uh, he has stood in the gap on the behalf of the, uh, the citizens of Arizona and really has served as a tremendous example uh, to other lesser magistrates. I mean, the guy knows his stuff. He knows, his, he knows our government, our system. He knows the Constitution. He knows when the federal government is out of line, overreaching, uh, and not in their jurisdiction. And he takes a stand, which is very rare these days. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we are really desperate for men of courage and men of virtue and men who will take action in these days. Yeah. So the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Yeah. So, you know, what? honestly, I think, I don't know how much he's aware of this. But, Jeff, I want you and I to go to just encourage him, mm -hmm. to let him know he is on sure footing. And we want to present these books to him. I hope he does read them because mm -hmm. I think it would even I mean, he's already a strong guy, but I think this will strengthen him not just in his own character or his own resolve, but really to give them the biblical and historical underpinnings to know that when he's standing up, uh, to defend the Constitution and to protect the life, liberty, and property of his citizens. He is on solid rock. That's right. So um, for those that haven't heard the show that we did with uh, Truella, um, that don't know about this doctrine, give us a brief understanding of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Um, why is it important? Where does it come from? 
Well, without it, brother, there is no United States of America. Yeah. I mean, that is how important it is personally to our own history. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the understanding of the lesser magistrate doctrine is this. And, I, and I'm going to give a military example first. Okay. I, I was with the 101st Airborne, okay, and we were, we were trained. And one of the things that we were trained was the military code of justice, that we were to obey all lawful orders, even if it led to our harm and ultimately our last ounce of devotion mm. to die. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we were like schooled in that. You have to obey all lawful orders. Well, on the other side of the coin, we were also trained that we are to disobey all unjust or unlawful orders. Mm. In other words, we can't be involved uh, in atrocities uh, fighting to defend the United States of America. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is like a part of our American DNA. It's mm-hmm. so a part of our national heritage and history. And so the understanding is this, Jeff, when a higher magistrate, and I can't even really put that in a context because the federal government really is not the higher magistrate. Yeah. I mean, historically, right. we the people are the higher magistrate. Yes. Yes. You know, we got, but I'm just, so people could just understand. Things, things have changed so Things have changed. Yes. You know, yeah. we've gone from we the people and the states to the federal government mm-hmm. to now the federal government, the states, and we the people. The, the uh, states are like McDonald's local, um, local franchise, yep. and uh, the federal government is McDonald's corporate. Exactly. Okay. And, 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 and our founding fathers never intended that. No. They never intended the states to be provinces and implementation centers of their decrees, policies, or laws. That's right. Okay? So that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. But in the case of this doctrine... When the higher magistrate impugns the law of God, when the higher magistrate promotes corruption or lawlessness or injustice or our case. Like abortion. Yeah. Abortion, homosexuality. Yeah. Or in our case, uh, uh, unconstitutional Mm -hmm. uh, decrees or policies. It is the duty of the lesser magistrate, in, in our case, like the governor of a state. Or, or the the state legislator, or a sheriff, or even down to the local city, the city council, the chief of police. It is up to them to restore some checks and balances uh, in our nation and to restore law and order. We were just in Tennessee before a subcommittee, and I remember we're trying to sell them on this concept, and they're going, well, we're a nation, you know, made up of laws. We don't want to be ruled by men. And I'm like, do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? Mm -hmm. Hmm. We are being ruled by men. We are no longer ruled by nation. They've abandoned the Constitution. There are no more checks and balances in Washington, Mm D.C. And your role as a lesser magistrate is to restore that check and balance and to restore law and order. You're not the anarchist. You're not the rebel. That's coming out of Washington, D.C., mm. and it has to be stopped in order f- for us to have a future and hope for our children and grandchildren. You know, the United States, the form of government that we had, the Puritans came over when they made the um, Mayflower Compact. It was for the glory of Jesus Christ and the expansion of the, of, of the Christian faith. 
they, they understood what they were doing was this really crazy thing uh, in coming to a biblical form of government, governed by the people, fighting against tyrants. It's just, by the, by, why the, by the way, why we fought the war for independence, not the Revolutionary War. They did not believe they were fighting revolution. They, they right. were fighting against a tyrannical uh, government that had broken covenant, covenant with God and with the people. Um, but uh, when, you, when you think in terms of the history of our nation, where we've come from, uh, Geneva, the ideas of Presbyterian-style government, that's what our nation, it's a Presbyterian-style right. form of government. Congratulations, Marcus. Um, You're welcome. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, so, but when you, when you think about how our government is formed, it came with a biblical worldview understanding that, like the Founding Fathers said, uh, men are not angels. That's right. If men were angels, no constitution would be necessary, but men are sinners, they're not angels, and so a constitution is necessary. And so that kind of government and form of law was put into place where there are checks and balances and there are magistrates that are under this magistrate that will protect the people and the law and justice from tyrants and wicked men. And we don't understand that. No, we don't understand it. That. We don't understand it primarily. I think our nation doesn't understand it because, well, they've been brought up and raised by the government that is tyrannical to them. And so they've taught this generation and prior generations about themselves, right? It's almost like yes. you've, got, you've got the slave owner educating the slave as to how life works, right? right. I'm the boss. You don't oppose me. There, are, there is no hope outside of me. If you, if you do oppose me, you'll be crushed. You know, you know the, and the slave is raised under this, and his family is raised under this, and they're, they're submissive because that's how they've been taught. Right. And that's, that's really what's happened in our nation today with our government is you have public schools that are run by the government that have taught the children how to think. They've taught people no, they've how to think. They've taught them what to what think, to think. Sorry, not sorry. how to think. Right. What that's to think. Huge, sorry, yeah, exactly right. They taught them what to think, and so now you have a generation of people that actually think that voting for a socialist communist <laughs> is that's a good idea now you can look at, at public service announcements until they get their paychecks though. Th that's right <laughs> you can you can look at public service announcements from 60 70 years ago against the idea of socialism and communism and that same public service announcement today would look very very different and that's because we have just this epidemic of bad thinking and people don't understand the law. They don't understand how we started. They don't understand the purpose of our nation, what people thought. They don't understand the benefit of the Christian faith to this nation. They don't understand the word of God, the law of God, the rule of God. And so we right. live in a perverse nation that is collapsing. And it's little things like this that is really very much more than a little thing. It's a very big thing yep. that these lesser magistrates ought to obey the law of God before they obey the law of men. Well, what this does, Jeff, and I, that's why I'm so excited. I've been in this battle for a long, long time, brother. And, and we have fought on many battlefronts with different methodologies and venues and things of this nature. I'm so excited about this because out of all that we've ever done, to try to turn the tide and restore our nation back in righteousness. This offers the most hope. This has the greatest potential that if God would be pleased, brother, to grant us brave and courageous men and women who are in positions of authority, who are also ordained with the sword of civil government, who are also ministers of God. Romans 13. Romans 13. That's straight scripture. That's exactly right. If they get this, brother, and they stand in the gap and become that watchman on the wall and the guardian on the gate, it ends it, Jeff. 
it has the potential to end this thing. Abortion? Um, abortion. Homosexual, homosexuality. Homosexual, uh, common marriage. core. Yep. Uh, Sharia law, gun control, all the craziness that's coming out of Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. It's literally a firewall. Mm-hmm. It's a firewall that will stop this dead in its tracks. And there are examples in history. Well, the Scots, brother John Knox. That's mm-hmm. right. Brother, he, he was challenging the Scottish nobles to, to, to protect Scotland from the tyrannical kings. Yeah. And he, he cited 70 examples from the Bible alone on interposition mm. and nullification. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm. And we're going to talk on the TV show more about this. And uh, I'm excited for you guys to get a chance to hear it. Thank you guys for joining us today. I uh, want to encourage you guys uh, to check out missionalware.com. They love our ministry. They support our ministry. They believe in the work and life of Apologia Church. And so go, go check them out and just bless them for blessing us and uh, being a part of what we're doing. Um, man, what a show. Yeah, I'm, this, this what a is show. good, man. It's awesome. We're going to continue it on the TV yes. show now. Yeah, that's the point. So yeah. get over there and, and check it out, guys. Um, all right, guys. So don't forget, ApologiaRadio.com is where you guys are going to go to get all the past episodes. I got a couple questions this week from people asking questions about um, uh, the Trinity, end time stuff, uh, kind of the kind of things we're talking about today. We've done lots of shows on those. If you haven't listened, go check them out. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get them extensive stuff don't forget we're starting our new series apology academy with john samson on the doctrine of salvation joy the girl we love you thanks and, and we're glad you joined <laughs> us today nostradamus my man thanks for being in the studio today glad to be here steady randy over there on the couch thank you for not public radio it's amazing g-lo thanks for being on the ones and twos brother thank you for being here today glad i can help and uh king ginger thanks for all you're doing brother all right all right i'm the ninja and that is Rusty Thomas. Rusty, thank you so much for being with us in the studio. Awesome to be with you, buddy. All right, brother. Thank I, you, guys. I'm here, too, so thanks. <laughs> Did I start, uh, yeah, I looked over at your I, I th- Mission Aware. All I remembered was I pointed over Mission Aware. That's Luke Pearson, the bear. Peace out. A fellow elder at Apologia <laughs> Church. By the way, Apologia Church meets in Tempe, Arizona, south of Rural and Warner. Yeah. 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 Arizona Community Church. Sundays at 4 p.m. You can join us. We worship. We get into the word. Joy is there. I am. Yep. She works the slides sometimes. She works the slides. <laughs> she doesn't just do the radio show. She works the slides. She gets to sliding. Yep. And to cooking. <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you next time. ApologiaRadio.com. Make sure you share this episode with someone you know and love. Thank you. We love you. God bless. <laughs>